Hi, this is Matt Kalish from DraftKings, the best place on the blockchain to buy, sell, and trade the latest NFT drops from your favorite athletes and celebrities. I'm here with the Edge of NFT guys, the kings of knowledge and futurism in all things NFT. I love listening along, and I beg you do too. Stay tuned. Welcome to another great episode of Edge of NFT, you NFT curious genius. Here's what's in store today. Find out how today's guest combined a few of his favorite things and co-built a $20 billion business. Find out about three companies that are part of the latest capital raises in this booming NFT industry. And learn how you can join our very own NFT drop so that you can grow with us as we branch out to fill the sky with you in this wonderful world of NFT. All this and more on today's fresh episode. Enjoy. Welcome to The Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features Matt Kalish, the co-founder and president of DraftKings and co-host of the Props and Drops podcast with none other than Gary V. Hailing from Lowell, Mass, Matt is a lifelong gamer and avid collector who has been a competitive player of fantasy sports, poker, sports betting, and strategy games throughout his life. As an entrepreneur with a passion for sports, technology, and analytics, Matt has been integral in building DraftKings to its current $20 billion valuation and making it one of the world's leading daily fantasy sports, sports betting, and iGaming platforms. Matt, welcome to Edge of NFT. Hey, gentlemen, how are you? Great to see you, man. Yeah, great to be with you. Yeah, yeah. The question is, how's Gary feeling about the Jets after this past weekend? <laughs> I mean... Hard to say, but the text message exchange that we had during the game didn't last very long. I don't think he was in the mood to talk. I hit him up because, you know, before the game, he had a projection. He is pretty honest on his expectations. So he said it was going to be 28 to 12 Patriots. And so I said, great, I'm rolling with like the Patriots running back defense stack now because I'm going to take that and run with it. <laughs> so I took like Damian Harris and Pat's D in my company league and then filled it in around that. And so the second TD was Damian Harris. He had like 80 yards in the first quarter. Pats were throwing a shutout. So I texted him. I'm like, thanks for the alpha, man. I like really appreciate that. <laughs> he was just like, seriously, don't text me. I don't want to hear from you at all. <laughs> Radio <laughs> silence. Yeah, he didn't want to talk during the game. It was nice. pretty, you got out of hand. I think it was like 54 to 13 or something, right? Yeah, 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 something like that. Once it goes past 50, wow. Yeah, well, yeah. dude, this too shall pass, Gary. We're on to better things. Yeah, and <laughs> his hope is that if he owns the Jets, then he can like fix everything. Yeah, there and you go. Sounds like a big project, like the stereotypical like girlfriend who wants boyfriends that she can fix or whatever. I think he's thinking that with the Jets, but we'll see. There you go. All right. Well, I mean, we want to chat with you today, Matt, about your journey here. Just want to know, like, let's take it back a little bit. How did your entrepreneurial journey begin? And then how did that develop into DraftKings? Um, I started, I guess, entrepreneurial wise, 
pretty late. I was about 30 when DraftKings really like got my attention on nights and weekends. Leading up to that, I was in corporate America. I did four different jobs in corporate America. I started by graduating from college. I had a engineering degree, computer science. And my first job was more engineering. And over time, by job three, I had moved into business analytics at Capital One, which was probably the favorite corporate job I've ever had. And what I really liked about analytics was it reminded me a lot of poker. The guy was a huge poker player. Nice. And there was a lot about the math, the incomplete information, the like game theory, whatever. And I used to just all through college and after college, talk to all my friends about poker hands and we had our chat rooms and stuff. And we were just going through like situations and talking about the numbers and stuff. So when I got involved in analytics in corporate America, I thought it was really similar. Like you're just going through incomplete info. You're trying to like structure it to provide consultation to marketers or whatever. And so I did that job for about three years. And that's where I met Jason Robbins, who's the CEO of DraftKings. He was somebody that I worked really closely with at that job. And then eventually we both ended up leaving to go to a company called Vistaprint. And that's where I moved from. Nice. I've gotten business cards from Vistaprint before. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I always say like the product was not why we went there. It's not the most exciting product, but (laughs) what was great was about like what we were able to do there from our job standpoint. So we both moved into marketing. I was doing CRM, like customer retention marketing, and Jason started doing a lot of their reach advertising, like TV, radio, the stuff on taxi cabs that you see, whatever. I saw even the Celtics this year have the Vistaprint logo, if you've noticed that. Oh, nice. Yeah, he started all of those channels. And so we had decent sized marketing budgets and we were sort of moving from analysts where you're making recommendations, but you're not really like pulling the trigger on things to like being on the front line of, you know, we're running marketing channels. We're accountable for the performance, the results. And all during that time, we had the same hobbies. Like we were playing poker, we were playing fantasy, company softball league together, like all of that. And it was at Vistaprint that we met Paul you know, Paul, who turned out to be our third partner. And so all of us wanted to do something entrepreneurial. And it wasn't until like 2011 where we came up with the idea for DraftKings, which is initially it was kind of like, what if you could do drafts every day? And if the leagues were like over the same day. Wow. And just try to tap into a lot of what we liked about poker, which is like you can play when you want. There's no like ongoing commitment. And it's like a game that's not easily mastered or not easily solved. So what we saw in that was it was a combination of everything we thought we were good at and we liked doing. Like it was all of our hobbies combined into like, that's what the product is. And then the things we thought we were good at were like analytics and direct marketing. So we're like, okay, we think we can build a product and attract and retain customers probably if the product's attractive. So We started working on it, just thinking it felt like it was in all of our sweet spot and that we could do it successful. That's incredible. I mean, you hang out with Gary Vee, who talks about hustle a lot. I'm sure there's a lot of hard work, undeniably, that's went into all this. But I think there's a lot of people who want to start a business that are kind of jealous of that story. Oh, you know, we just, we wanted to get entrepreneurial. We put together all the things we loved and now we have a... $20 billion company. That's pretty incredible. And I'm very happy for you that despite all the trials and tribulations I'm sure you've been through, that you have something that you have a passion for. That's just really exciting. 
Yeah. Nothing like bringing together the things you're passionate about and doing what you love. So one of those uh, you know, elements, obviously, is the, the daily fantasy sports side of it. Then you got sports betting that really took off with the changes in laws and regulations and whatnot. I think one of the questions we have is like, how does that tie into gaming and now NFTs? Yeah, and it's really evolved over time where I've been focused. DraftKings has been very fortunate in the sense that Jason, Paul, and I have been involved from day one, even to today, we are heavily running the operation. I have a team of over a thousand people at DraftKings. I do like all of our marketing, product operations, the promotions, like everything. Paul similarly has a team of like a thousand plus people. It's product uh, development, engineering, whatever. Jason's our CEO. He's the one doing, you know, now that we're public, he'll go out and do the quarterly earnings or whatever, right? He's doing fundraising, doing whatever we need. And so the three of us are still heavily involved operationally. And our focus has changed over time in the sense that 10 years ago, there wasn't a lot that you could really do in online gaming in the US. And like, if you just think back 10 years ago, if you're watching a sports game, what were you doing to make that interesting? Like not much. Maybe you're on an illegal offshore sports book or you had a bookie or like my dad was a cop or technically was like a corrections officer, worked in a prison. So you'd bring home like parlay card sheets or the pools from his work, the pools out of the prison or would do like squares during the Super Bowl. I remember her March Madness brackets, but that's kind of all that there really was. So Daily Fantasy popping up in 11, 2012 when we launched, that was one of like the top ways suddenly in the course of a couple of years that people were like getting skin in the game on sports. And then when we just kind of followed that audience, like the people like me, probably like all of us who, you don't just want to sit and watch a game. You want to predict things. You want to play somehow. We followed where that attention was going from that audience. And sports betting was like a massive focus. So once that started opening up in 2017, we put tons of attention there. The same people doing sports betting are the same people that you see who are playing blackjack. They're the same ones. Other casino games are highly attractive and relevant to that same audience. And now what we're seeing collectibles, especially since COVID, starting with physical sports cards, I think in 2020 started to really ramp up. Like Q3, Q4, 2020, prices started going crazy. People were just really like zeroed in. And then... First time I really noticed digital collectibles showing up was Top Shots in February, roughly. I know what was going on before that, but that was like more when it like hit my radar. Like enough people were paying attention at that point. It's probably in the like tens to maybe a hundred thousand people were jumping in trying to get packs and things like that. And so that's really the first time that my attention started going there. But all of it was just this general idea of like DraftKings is serving a certain type of consumer. We call it like a skin in the game sports fan. It's the person that doesn't just sit on their couch and watch like the Patriots. They want to predict, play. They're playing fantasy. They're making sports bets. They're doing like whatever they can to to get skin in the game. Like that's kind of the customer that we've been trying to serve. And so wherever that attention's going is where my attention goes. That's amazing. It's such a distinctive group of folks too, right? Like you really highlighted it and you guys have really plugged into this this group of people you can kind of see it's that same group like you said over and over again doing these things making it interesting right so cool i've always found it easy too because i literally is like my personality type what i do for fun anyway 
So it's really just being my, myself has generally brought me to the right places at the right times. Maybe like a little slow in some cases, in some cases, maybe a little earlier, but I actually do like all of these projects. You know, I like all the products that like I'm working on and that I'm marketing and like I use them personally. So it's been always a little bit natural to just follow the attention of our customer. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. I mean, that's how this podcast started. Jeff and I have known each other for years and we met Ethan and like this podcast is a manifestation of everything we enjoy talking about. And it's something we can do for years to come. And so speaking of podcasts, have had a chance to listen to Props and Drops and feels like a very comfortable conversation. Like you and Gary are hanging out on the couch, having a beer, talking about the games for the week. But it's a lot of fun. You guys are covering NFTs, collectibles, trading cards, so much more. What's your vision for the podcast? And how far do you see this world of NFT collectibles reaching? I think like crypto and NFTs have just such a crazy runway ahead and currently are. The thing is with crypto and with NFT and the communities around it in general that I found so amazing is the, I guess you'd say like the vibes of it are very distinct and extremely positive. So it's so nice to go on and make stuff like we're doing this podcast or I'll go on with Gary. And you go on and you just kind of can shoot the shit. You can just talk about what's going on with the content, with the drops. If something I invest in or I buy doesn't go well, it's like a funny joke. If it goes really well, then the biggest genius in the world for one day. But we can just trade all these stories, talk. And there's an underlying sense of like the vibes are really immaculate in this whole crypto and NFT space right now. And everybody in general is just so positive. And... Yeah, I mean, a lot of different products or projects where I've gotten involved in the community, it can be all different sorts of dynamics. But like this one in particular, I feel like a big part of why people want to be a part of these communities and like, I want to get a board ape or whatever is because you connect with like the vibe of the community that's in that ownership group and that it's limited and that it's like something special, but the quality and like the dynamic of the community and the discussion is so positive. So I think that that will really, over time, like just be a source of like positive energy, a source of entertainment for so many people, almost like watching Twitch streams of people playing games or like anything else that you do where there's like these positive vibes. When I go on Twitter and I turn on the like Twitter spaces and I listen to uh, Farouk or Deez or whatever, like these guys that every single day they go on for hours and it's just so positive all the time. It's like, how could you not be attracted to that? And so I think the combination of like what people already love about collectibles or what they already love about like that kind of speculation or whatever combined with the content and the positivity in the community is really like special. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. So it sounds like we both feel that this industry has really long legs and it's going to be exciting. No one quite knows where it's going, but it's going to go somewhere fun and special and continue to sort of breathe positive energy into the world. Some of the projects too, you get the sense like they're scratching the surface of what's possible and that there's so much innovation and disruption to come on how this technology will be used and built. And the first project I ever bought was a CryptoPunk back in March, which is basically like no utility. It's an avatar. You just like buy it and then you have it. And then everyone makes jokes about how they can right click your avatar and then they own it. So that's all there is to it. But then over time, you start seeing more projects come out and people are doing different things 
like people put royalties on them so that they're generating revenue that they can reinvest into the project and build like legit companies that have ongoing revenue against it. Then they're building these roadmaps that are, I'm going to make content, for example, like we were talking about Deadheads, <laughs> Friends, a bunch of uh, space poggers, like a bunch of these projects that have ideas of making content or movies or whatever. Cool Cats or Kongs that do the yield, you know, uh, SupDocs, they're doing yields where you get tokens and then you can spend them in a store that they make or whatever. So you start to see like more use out of the tech. And I think that even still, what we've already seen is maybe like 10% of what we will see over the next year as, as like more and more engineers put their head down and get to work, you know? Totally. Since you went there, I got to mention the gambling apes. I mean, you got this like little ape that co-owns a casino in Decentraland. I mean, how fun is that? I definitely was attracted to that project as well. And it just keeps going and going and going. Every week there's something new. Yeah, Wild West in a way. But yeah, it's, it's definitely really interesting. Like there's a lot of Wild West project building out there. And at the same time, I think the community kind of like governs itself really well, like almost better than anything I've ever seen. Where like, yeah, people hold each other accountable for good conduct and to maintain the positive vibes. And like, if anything gets out of check, then there's people to kind of get it back in check, you know? So I think it's a good self-governing, like decentralized community, really. Yeah, that's a lot of what we see in here. I'm talking to different projects and people in the space. I want to get a little bit to the marketplace that you recently built in partnership with Autograph. This is huge. What are some key elements of your platform roadmap and... When is Josh going to get to toss football with Tom Brady? Let's do it. <laughs> the, what DraftKings ultimately has as like the rationale for doing anything here is an audience that is in the market, like buying lots of collectibles or whatnot. So the foundation for us is like we have a large platform that already has a lot of engagement, whether it's fantasy play, sports betting. We have millions of customers that are coming and playing those games. I always thought one of the toughest things with any collectible was building and maintaining the like attention of an audience. And a lot of the projects I've gotten involved with, a lot of them are doing it through Discord. They'll just like set up a Discord, push through Twitter, community managers do their thing on Discord. And it's kind of like the center of the community. And like to keep ongoing attention for weeks and months after the drop is very difficult. Even some pretty good teams and good projects I've seen like struggle with this. It's a relatively few that I think have really like successfully done it for months. And we don't even know for years. Like we'll see how many people on day 100, 360 picks are still checking in on, on their Discord, right? Like we don't even know because it's too soon. It's like too new. But the idea of like how fast that attention after the drop typically falls off, it's mm -hmm. just like instantaneous. And in the case of DraftKings, we already have the daily engagement or weekly people come for football or basketball or whatever. And it's very easy for them to also like kind of see what's going on with their collections, see what drops are coming. So I think that's like the unfair advantage of DraftKings is having just millions of people showing up who are already engaged. And then from there, like we have the exact type of customer showing up that is in market, like people that are heavy, heavy crypto adopters, like sports card collectors, non-sport card collectors. Like behind me is, these aren't even sports cards. This is flesh and blood, like a fantasy non-sports card game. I just have like boxes of these cards. It's like um, Steve Aoki, I know, is into MetaZoo, which is a similar game. Yeah. So 
these are just what the people in our audience are doing. They're collecting sports cards. They're trading them with their friends. They're the trading stocks. They're doing all this stuff, right? And so we just have like the perfect profile of customer as well to create a vibrant marketplace that has a lot going on. And that's like what we do best. On the content side, Autograph went out. That's our partner that provides the NFT content. They went out and did all of these deals with like Tom Brady, Naomi Osaka, Simone Biles, Tony Hawk. Like they had all these IP rights deals for name, image, likeness, marketing deals, whatever. And so that was the perfect like first partner for us to go live with because they have such a great roster, good access to so many different sort of all of our favorite athletes. And they also did some deals outside of sports. For example, we're doing a drop that's with Lionsgate about Saw, you know, the movie Saw. So they built like an entire concept around that, that we're dropping next week. So they're able to branch into like movies, pop culture, sports, whatever. And so it's a great partner. It's not the only partner that we'll work with, but that was like our inaugural partner to kind of go out and get the ball rolling at the current stage we're at. And I think our audience should expect is that this is going to be an area that we're very focused. We're probably in like warmups right now. The game has hardly even started, I feel like, in terms of NFTs and marketplaces and stuff. And as we get more and more content deals inked, as we build content in-house, as Autograph builds on their roadmap, yeah, I think it'll just get better and better over time. Yeah. Congrats on moving so quickly. I mean, we, we run into people all the time. You know, you had it where it was like, this is perfect for us, right? But we meet all kinds of people who know that NFTs are perfect for what they're doing. But it's also a struggle to like find the right partners and make the right plan and get things going quickly, right? Um, so congrats on on building that and getting it going uh, fast as you have. It's a balance of like how fast to go and what's an alpha product or beta product or like whatever. And if you get in market, you see what the consumer sentiment is. You get feedback. You learn really fast when you're operating and it's hard before you're operating. So we've always had a bias to like get a viable product out there and then iterate and talk to the users and stuff. So that's kind of how we looked at this one. And I think it was definitely like the right decision. It's clear that there's going to be a tremendous amount of innovation, lots of different plays on Marketplace. Like you see Coinbase, Reddit, whoever, like every day there's an announcement, right? Of someone who feels like, okay, a play for us is going to be an NFT Marketplace. And so... I think it's going to be very vibrant. There's going to be a lot going on in the space. And like the sooner that we could get in market, start building relationships with our players, start getting that association. We wanted to go as fast as we could. We have like 20 jobs up on our site right now for the marketplace. And the team is like five people or something. So we're ramping fast. Hey, you might get somebody from our audience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Please. First thing I'm going to put up on social is like the link to our careers page. I mean, we're heavily focused on recruiting. It's going to be, we've done like 5% of the work. The team that's in place that takes the baton and keeps building and iterating is going to do 95%. You know, like we haven't even touched most of our roadmap, you know? So I think it's a matter of just get an amazing team in place and just like set the general rudder in the right direction, let customers drive the roadmap, and then we'll just be there to build tech, which is like what we do best ultimately. Yeah, I think Tom Billiou said he's going to have one person on his team dedicated to each category of NFT. And it's just a matter of engaging with the community and figuring out what they want next, right? Certainly, fantasy sports and NFTs seem to go hand in hand like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. I mean, you even see some very direct plays like So Rare, for example, where it's almost like literally NFT driven fantasy, but there's tremendous overlap for sure. 
And we're talking about some specific drops. You mentioned the saw drop, which is pretty cool. As fans, are there any other uh, drops that are forthcoming that you can share that you're pumped about? Yeah, roadmap is, uh, in terms of the drops, is gets revealed as it's finalized on ah. marketplace.draftkings.com. And the main deals with autographs that we've announced are, you know, they have multiple athlete deals. Also, Lionsgate has, we're talking about Saw. Lionsgate has a giant kind of roster of movies. So they're able to run with different IP around the movies that are in the Lionsgate roster. And what I like about Saw is that it wasn't just like a flat collectible with nothing interesting going on. They really like were thoughtful about, you know, they're making videos with the like Jigsaw dude talking to the customer and it's about collecting the traps and the schematics and keys and you put them together and you get like a special incentive if you have the right combination of NFTs. It's like they're going a little deeper into the experience and putting like a wrapper of interesting like marketing creative around it that I think makes it more fun. Like it's much more fun if there's something going on like that. Yeah, we haven't seen a ton of that yet. Like you said, though, it's really just the tip of the iceberg, right? Sitting, whether it's in the movie theater or in your house, right? And having the opportunity to do something different that's never been done before, whatever that may be, pretty cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, taking a step back besides DraftKings and what Gary's doing, what else are you pumped about in NFT land? There's every day, like, obviously new projects every day, right? So it's hard to even like understand what's coming next. I feel like at this point, I'm almost like hearing about things after the mint almost every time now. And then like jumping into projects that have like a day or two of proof. And I feel like I'm the latest person in the world to the party. And I don't know if you feel that way too. No, but... no, totally. Like we'll be doing two or three podcasts in a week. And then come the weekend, I learned about three drops that I missed out on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I used to be minting projects every time. And if I didn't hit the mint, I would almost like forget about it. And then if it ran, I, I was just, you know, feeling sorry for myself. And now that's all changed. Now it's like, there's so many drops, unless like something has traction, I don't even want to touch it. So like I grabbed doodles, for example, like, you know, this project. Uh, don't even get me started. I was introduced to that guy before it dropped and then lost touch with him and then found out it was like the biggest drop of the month. <laughs> yeah, like missed the drop totally. Another one was the Kaiju Kings. Missed the, missed the drop altogether. But then like once people are showing interest in it and it seems like it's not going to go like mint and then 0.034, yeah, then I'm jumping in and I don't mind paying a little more of these in these days to feel like I'm in a project that's not going to just like be dead on arrival. And I also don't want to like clutter my wallet to an absurd degree. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole issue is like portfolio management. Once you get like 100 NFTs, like you need to hire someone just to keep tabs on what's going on there. Yeah, I have, I think I have like a lot of them are, you know, the airdrops that are like polygon airdrops that or whatever it is that are just like not projects that you minted. So I get a lot of those, but I have probably like 1200 things in my wallet. And I was looking at some people like I looked at Pranksy had like 42,000 things in his wallet. Oh, maybe I, I maybe. 2,000 things in your wallet by minting every project and then you mint yeah. like 300 of everything. And yeah, I've been trying to be more selective and like wait for a little bit of momentum 
I don't like hate the idea of people speculating and minting things right away, but I also think it's like, if you want less air bombs, I think it's a good strategy to like, in some cases, people just buy like everything too. We were talking to Tubador the other day and he was, he was just like, I've not sold anything. He's like, I just buy it. I don't sell a single thing. I just met, you know, that's his path. So. Yeah, that's like the Gary V strategy of just never sell anything. I mean, that's not how I roll. I love to, that's like a lot of the fun to me is like buy, sell, buy, sell, trade. I've made like, my worst trade was I traded a crypto punk for like the best deadhead, which I love the deadhead. So from like an emotional standpoint, I really am happy with it because I wouldn't have had access to it otherwise. But like value equations, very bad on that because like crypto punks went ham. That's like the guy that traded the 600 touchdown ball from Tom Brady for a signed t-shirt. Did you hear about that this weekend? Yeah, I heard Ken Golden said it was worth 500K and he just gave it away for a (laughs) t-shirt. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah, poor guy. I think that's exciting. I assume you'll be in, in New York next week for, this will air next week as well during NYC NFT. Hopefully we can all get some real time alpha at that conference and uh, be a little bit ahead of things for at least a couple of days. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited. And now with like the NBA season popping off, I'm excited about, let's see how some different things in the NBA lane go. Like I was wondering, you know, will Top Shot start running now that NBA is going and like renew the interest or whatever. But in general, it's just like so much dropping all the time. I feel like I'm just looking for something special almost at this point. I've been sitting back. I want to see some momentum on projects before I jump in and give it because you can't give your attention to everything. You can't pay attention to like 200 projects. So I'm like, if I can pay attention to 13 or 15 projects, like... I'm going to know that I'm jumping into something good. Exactly. Like I'm looking for a little bit of momentum or like something really innovative. Like one project that I feel like hasn't gotten love, but like I thought it was crazy, like innovative was the Tom Sachs, like the Tom Sachs Rocket Factory, if you've heard of this. No. This thing, I'm just like all good. So basically he like built this NFT project where you have three parts to a rocket. It's like a base, a body and a cone. And you have to get three, then you mint them together and it's one rocket. And then you like schedule it. He literally launches the rocket, makes a video, sends you the physical rocket. And he's like a legit artist, you know, like people are spending big dollars on Tom Sachs art, like sends you the rocket, sends you the video of him launching it. And you keep like the NFT, like that's cool. These like physical digital hybrid projects and stuff. So I'm like looking for weird stuff like that, like stuff that just really hasn't been reached that much. And when stuff like that pops up, then I want to jump in, you know, if it's something weird. Yeah, man, we we love to see the stuff that's on the on the edges. Dude, look, it's clear that you you embody the idea that if you align who you are with what you do, that that's happiness, man. It just like it it comes out of you, man. It's just so great talking about this stuff. You know, we wanted to switch gears a little bit and get your personal perspective on some things. We got this segment we call Edge Quick Hitters. It's a fun, quick way to get to know you a little better. It's 10 questions and we're looking for, you know, short single word or few word responses. We always like to give you the bandwidth to expand if you get the urge. Sound like something you're ready for? Yeah. I'm not known for being super concise, but I will do my best. (laughs) It's all good, brother. All right, let's dive in. Question number one, what is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? I think it was like a Dallas Cowboys windbreaker, you know, starter windbreaker in probably like third grade. Nice. nice. There. Yeah. I think I rocked the old Timberwolves one or something when it first came out. I thought it was so cool. Yeah. I had Phoenix Dungs too, but I got that after. 
Nice. Yeah, I was a Barkley fan, so the Suns were like my team. And I was just such a, like, the Cowboys were winning when I got it, and I was just, like, following the winning team. I love to play Barkley in NBA Jam, that video game. Like, he had the best moves. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I, like, messed this up. Not sorry, we're not being concise. I messed this up. All my friends were collecting cards. I had, like, a friend collecting Jordans, a friend collecting, like, Ken Griffey Jr., whatever. Everyone was collecting these people, and I went all in on Barkley, which, like, didn't really pan out to be that good, but, you know. So, I'm, like, uh, treating my Jordans to get Barkleys and stuff, and I got wrecked oh, on no. that. Oh, wow. Um, what are you going to do? Yeah, what can you do? <laughs> Question two. What's the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? Honestly, it was probably, like, a sports car. It wouldn't have been for much. I was collecting in the junk era of like 92, 93. It was first thing I remember like for sure selling was like a Shaq Fleer Ultra, like 92, 93 base rookie. It's probably like $10, I think five or 10 bucks. It wasn't like a a parallel or anything. It was just like a base one. But yeah, yeah, I think I like sold it to buy more packs or something. Sounds about right. (laughs) (laughs) Question three, what is the most recent thing you purchased? I just found a board ape. That was probably like my most recent purchase, literally physical or digital. This was like yesterday. I got nice. like those noise board apes with like the green ring around their the head and he has like awesome. a cigarette. It looked just really clean and the market was uh nice. I think the market's in a good spot on on board apes. So yeah, I grabbed one yesterday for fifty. Nice pickup. Awesome. Question four. What's the most recent thing you sold? I sold a wrapped striker. This was like a decent one. I sold the Rap Striker Ronaldo Iconic, which is like the parallel on, if you know this project, it was like the soccer cards and it was known yep. as like one of the first sports collectibles. So I bought like 15 of them a few months ago and yet uh, similarly yesterday sold one. Uh, it was like a Ronaldo one for 30. That's awesome. More exciting than me, which was like a two-year-old baby clothes on Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> See, now it's, the thing with the NFTs is it's so easy to buy and sell all the time that like it's always the last thing I did was like some kind of NFT transaction. It's like almost always true for all of us. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, question five. What is your most prized possession? Kobe side basketball chilling in my office right now. Oh, nice, man. Yeah, I'm a big Laker guy. That's huge. Yeah, I got the Mamba, Mamba in my office. So, Amazing. Yeah, that's hard to put value on. It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Question six. If you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical service and experience that's currently for sale, what would that be? Mm, Such a good, it doesn't, I don't know like how to do this, but like I need like a way to just keep track of my like contacts. It's way better. If there's a service like that, somebody hit me up. Cause like what I've noticed is like now in all the discords and telegrams and stuff, I'm like meeting people and it's, almost impossible to keep track of like all of the relationships that I want. So I want like a system for that. <laughs> Help me if you have any ideas, whatever you're using. For the yeah. Oh, yeah. SaaS products. Screaming yeah. out for a SaaS product. Yeah. <laughs> New business idea, free idea for anyone who wants it. I think that's a good one. Ethan actually has another podcast run with it where he broadcasts business ideas for the world to create. So I think we just got a topic, Ethan. There you go. Exciting. Yeah. yeah now that right you have like now. seven or 12 platforms where you're communicating with people, it's like all your discords and text messages and everything. It's crazy. Twitter, whatever. Yeah. Something's got to happen there to bring it together. Yeah. We got to really bring it together. 
Question seven. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would that be? Just like total lack of like, not at all risk averse, I guess, in the sense of like, I don't ever feel like I have that much to lose going after something that I want to spend my time on. Like it gives you like a nice level of freedom. Most definitely. Yeah. Very admirable. Question eight. If you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would that be? Like severe lack of attention. Like I, I lose attention very fast within minutes and like, yeah, that's a burden. <laughs> Especially <laughs> in the world of NFTs, man. Oh my gosh. It's so hard. Yeah, sometimes I forget like, not like this, you know, cause we're talking about a topic that's like a great topic, but find like, I'll just forget what I'm talking about or like I'll be in a conversation, just like totally lose track of what's even going on. It's an awful burden. I would, my girlfriend's listening to this and she's going to be like, yes, that's the problem. It happens to me <laughs> all the time. Problem. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard they make like medicine for that or something, but I'm not on it. So they'll have that problem. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's our, the way our world is structured nowadays does not help. Does not help at all. <laughs> In the constant, you know, your phone, you're just sitting there and your phone is like notifying you of 13 things a minute. And there's always like, we're just talking about NFTs alone, just all the action and feel like I'm going to miss alpha if I'm not paying attention for one minute and if I'm on Twitter. So I literally like, I'm, this might make you dizzy, but like I have right here is my other computer and like, I'll be at my work computer, but I always have my other computer. Cause I'm like, I don't want to miss any alpha. So I got to like make sure that the second screen. And then if that's not enough, then I'm my phone. And that's where all the problems happen. If Elon's listening to this, he's thinking Neuralink's going to solve all of our problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it right there. All right. Hey, question nine, a little bit easier. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast? Monday is meeting city at DraftKings. I think I was just looking at like kind of the weekend web some of the sports book stuff, just like results and performance. Metrics tracking. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, doing my job that I get paid for. So, well, there's that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Question 10, last one. What are you going to do next after the podcast? Uh, it happens to be end of day. So I'm going to go start making dinner. Uh, I have two daughters who are 12 and nine. So like just going to go see how their day was, make some dinner, like sit down and relax for a little bit. Sounds what like we spaghetti, mac and cheese. Yeah. Chicken Vesuvius. Well, what do you got? Yeah. My, <laughs> whenever I say I'm going to cook, then my oldest one wants to order out. I don't know why. I mean, <laughs> I feel like I'm a very good cook, but yeah, she, she like wanted to order out and I don't know. I'm going to try to talk her into what I want. All right. Nice. Well, that sounds like a plan. Uh, Hey, that's uh, edge quick hitters. Thanks so much for uh, indulging us there. That was a lot of fun. I think we have some hot topics maybe to cover as well. What do you say? Let's Ethan? get in there. Let's get heated up. All right. Let's talk about Animoca Brands Capital Race. That's pretty exciting. The company driving digital property rights via NFTs and gaming to build the open metaverse announced it has closed a capital raise for $65 million, conducted a pre-money valuation of $2.2 billion. So congrats to them. We had Yat Sue on the program. We had Robbie Young on the program as well. And they are just blazing trails in the NFT and gaming space. You know, pretty incredible. Yeah. I love it. Those so guys. much investment activity going on in the space right now, for sure. I've noticed just to have the opportunity to be a part of like a billion dollar company. Now there's people are putting out, you know, eight or nine figure, like several hundred million plus dollar raises too. And just because there's going to be billion dollar companies made during this, I think, uh, crypto blockchain 
tech NFT stuff, like so many angles on it, it's hard to pick the exact winners. So I think there's just going to be a lot of bets and then like a handful of founding teams are going to run with it and just like go ham and make lots of money. Yeah. Spoiler alert. I'm looking at our other hot topics today and they're all about capital raises. <laughs> and we mentioned this previously on, you know, on one of our first episodes, there were some capital raises going on and we were talking about it and Jeff made the comment, well, you know, that's relatively significant, but they weren't combined raising much more than the people sold for. And we're seeing more and more now we're getting into some really serious money. Indeed. Yeah. And I think one of the things, and we love the message that the Animoca brands brings so consistently, and it goes back to what you were talking about earlier, Matt, which is just community, right? And collaboration and cooperation among the folks in the community to drive it forward. They preach this day in and day out. And it's so authentic when you talk to these guys, you just really feel it coming from them and all the projects they invest in and support and the programs they've put together. It's amazing. So I love to see dollars go into a company like that with that kind of ethos. And, you know, they come from straight up gaming. They were a gaming company first before they got into the world of crypto and they bring with them super valuable information from their experiences over the last decade plus in that space, which, you know, frankly, many of the NFT based gaming companies or crypto based gaming companies don't have. So, so cool to see them do that. What else we got, sir? All right, next, as promised, another raise we're talking about, Fanatics NFT company, now worth 1.5 billion. Fanatics said it's raised 100 million for its NFT company, Candy Digital, as it looks to pivot outside of sports merchandising. Investors include SoftBank's Vision Fund, two Insight Partners, and Pro Football Hall of Famer, Peyton Manning. Yeah, so Candy Digital. Now, I feel like I heard about them I first heard about them somewhere around Gary Vee's NFT drop, but I'm not sure whether they helped with that or like, does anybody remember like what role they played in that, if anything? I think Gary's either on their board or a, a key advisor, I think, to, okay. uh, to Candy Digital. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's, Gary's right around the rim on that one. Mike Novogratz, Michael Rubin, who's like a true sick Cuban, like unbelievably good with Lee team partnerships. Like his core business with Fanatics was he has a tremendous amount of rights from, you know, sports leagues to create like apparel, jerseys, whatever, and built a massive business off of that. And then he kind of applied that skill, like his incredible deal making, like sick human level, like unbelievably good at deal making. Like just went in and expanded those deals into physical sports cards, candy with Major League Baseball, you know, the deal around the NFT stuff. So yeah, like incredible story. I think Michael Rubin's like a really special piece of like what will help propel NFTs and like bring it into the mainstream with a lot of IP. So interesting. One thing that I'm excited about and Jeff's talked about before is going back to the legends of the game right? Which is what NBA Top Shots just did. And Candy Digital has this opportunity to do that with Babe Ruth and Jackie Robinson. And, and um, we just had some guys on the show, Culture Shock Galleries, shout out to them. Definitely worth taking a look where they're going back into the history of hip hop and giving some of the older sort of original OGs of, of the industry some spotlight. And I think that's sort of one of the exciting things is, is, old is new, new is old, everything gets to come together again in a really cool modern package. Yeah, and it's awesome when you see that, see it all coming together. I don't know how to, how to put it, but I'm particularly thinking of Quincy Jones, you know, and his role at One Of, you know, it, it's really fun to actually see the OGs 
actually being a part of it, right? And, and actually being the trailblazers of the future. It's, it's not only just there's something nostalgic and fun about it, but it's inspiring, right? It's inspiring as we move forward into the future to just continue to blaze trails, you know, from cradle all the way through the end, you know? Yeah, but dude, guys like Fanatics, right? Basically sports merchandising, that's where the revenue is coming from right now. And they're saying this is part of their pivot away from sports merchandising, right? Yeah. If that isn't telling for the future of you know, NFTs and different digital formats for using these licenses, I don't know what is. That's amazing. Yeah, but this, yeah, it's interesting, this article here that that we're referring to, it does reference Dapper a few times as sort of like, as a comparison, right? Like uh, Dapper at $7 billion valuation and sort of comparing what could be achieved through uh, the partnerships with MLB and stuff like that. But yeah, outside of sports, it's it, it'll be interesting to see that as well. On the next top topic? I think so. Let's hit it up. All right, so... Next one on the roster is NFT sci-fi card game Parallel raises at a $500 million variation from Paradigm. Parallel is a sci-fi card game based on the Ethereum blockchain. It's had a more meteoric rise than most crypto projects and investors have noticed. Platform tells TechCrunch they raised $50 million at a half billion dollar valuation from crypto VC firm Paradigm. Previous investors include YouTube co-founder Chad Hurley, Focus Labs, OSS Capital, and Ute Capital, among others. Well, we had Alien Worlds on the podcast just recently. So there's a very fun theme of kind of sci-fi slipping through all of the NFT projects that are going on. We've seen uh, Space Invaders. Is What was it called? Uh, invaders? Space? Alien Invaders? Alien Invaders. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll be interviewing Ingrid and Neil at nyc.nft. Shout out to them. They just dropped their spaceship. But this is big. I haven't heard of this project before you guys found this article, but I'm just trying to ingest the magnitude of a half a billion dollar valuation on a game that, I don't know, I didn't hear about this game until now. Matt, have you heard about this game before? I haven't bought the game, but like I've heard a little bit about it. It's kind of like, from what I understand, it's like a Magic the Gathering kind of deal. Yeah, this article says the project is based around a fantasy storyline about humanity's escape from space following an apocalyptic attempt to resolve a global energy crisis. That sounds so unrealistic. (laughs) Unlike some of the other highly valuable pixelated NFT projects like CryptoPunks, Parallel's art style is focused on realism through a science fiction lens, of course. That's a little bit more info on them. Yeah, well, you know, they apparently had 105 million transaction volume at one point and their sales dropped to a paltry $11 million in September. I think sometimes we've talked about this. You never know how the after sales are going to sort of go. And clearly Paradigm is still bullish on the long-term potential. And I think we all expect sort of some ebb and flow to the evolution of these games. But if they can use this money to create some long-term value, that should be great. And it'll be exciting to see what sort of stuff they do. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some in real life um, components to it and some other fun metaverse augmented reality. $50 million buys you a lot of things to try. Yeah, a lot of opportunity to iterate. But again, community, narrative, storyline, right? These are the, the elements of some of the most successful projects out there. So I expect big things from them. Very cool. Well, wow, that, that was a packed show, guys. That, yeah. that was indeed. <laughs> so many amazing <laughs> things in here. So much happening in the space. For our next hot topic, everybody's tired. 
<laughs> yeah, it's all Let's good. Let's roll out and have some dinner. <laughs> but look, before we wrap up though, man, like where should folks go to follow what you guys are up to? Like what's the best source for information on DraftKings and yourself? Yeah. So for info on me and what I'm up to, which often isn't re- all that uh, geared around DraftKings, it's more just like random good morning tweets and stuff. But like my Twitter, Matt Kalish, at Matt Kalish uh, would be the best it's like at least the social kind I maintain the best and I like spend the most time on. And then as to DraftKings, I would encourage everyone to check out marketplace.draftkings.com. Just get like an idea of what's going on there. I think it's like a pretty, the start of something really special launched in August. So a couple months in and just the drop schedules getting packed up, seeing like lots of activity would be really just great if everyone could check that out. Just see what you think. Send me any feedback you have. You know, it's the early days, so I still like every day I'm collecting different thoughts and feedback and myself, Paul, Jason, like we are accountable for the roadmap at draft, like what we're building. Ultimately, that's, you know, us and our teams are shepherding that through, even though it's a like big public company now, like we're still very hands on. We're the ones driving the roadmap forward. And like, I take that responsibility very seriously. So I really do. I go out and try to get feedback on the platform anytime we launch something new. And who knows, maybe starting that conversation leads to a job opportunity down the road, right? Yeah. Careers.draftkings.com. Again, and you don't even have to be an engineer. Like a lot of our jobs we're hiring, maybe it's in marketing, it's in product operations, content, design, partner management, like a lot of things that aren't just writing code. If you write code, great. Like we have those jobs too, but it's not only that. So I think if you have any interest in working in this space, at least give DraftKings a look. I think that'd be a good, a good stop. Be careful what you wish for. Yes. Might be a lot of people banging down that door. Awesome stuff though. And also I heard we're going to do a fun giveaway. I think we'll, uh, we'll put the details together and pump that out on our socials also. So keep an eye out for that. We'll get everything over to you as well. Okay, well, I think we have reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We've got Space Reward Ventures on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. And remember, we always invite you to co-create and build with us at Edge of NFT. We are unlocking a whole new way to connect and collaborate with us through our own NFT drop, Living Tree NFTs. Through this project, we'll be planting tens of thousands of real trees. This collection is not only a beautiful generative art collection, but will also be the foundation of everything we do with Edge of NFT in our community for years to come. On top of that, Living Tree holders like you will co-create and participate in our podcast and access exclusive events and killer contests. You'll be frontline for other NFT drops, as well as a long, bright future of branching opportunities to come. Get on the whitelist by dropping us a line at contact at edgeofnft.com or tweet at us at edgeofnft and we'll share with you the steps required to get in the mix. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.